0: It's Wednesday, November 13, 2019, 50 days into the impeachment inquiry and now day one of public impeachment hearings. This is Impeachment Today. Good morning. I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. I hope you're well-rested because it is here. It is now. Impeachment hearings begin, and we are only a little amped about it. Okay, later on, we're talking to BuzzFeed News political reporter Miriam Elder about Bill Taylor, the U.S. ambassador who looked at Trump's alleged demands on Ukraine and went, what the fuck is this? But before we get to all that, let's catch up on what happened yesterday. Okay, first, Trump's been thinking about firing two big deals in his administration because of their roles in the impeachment saga. That includes Michael Atkinson, the inspector general of the intelligence community. Trump himself appointed Atkinson back in 2017. Now, Atkinson was the first person to receive the whistleblower's full complaint that something was afoot in the president's dealings with Ukraine. He reviewed the complaint and deemed it credible, but when Atkinson tried to send it on to Congress as the law requires, the acting director of national intelligence told him to hold up a second. The complaint was eventually published in full as the impeachment inquiry kicked off. But Trump has been big mad that Atkinson didn't basically nip the whole thing in the bud, according to the New York Times. It's not clear whether Trump was ever actually close to firing Atkinson or just bitching about it to his staff. But that he's even considering it is big, given that inspectors general are supposed to be independent from politics. Also at risk, acting chief of staff Mick Mulvaney. Mulvaney ordered a freeze on military aid to Ukraine at Trump's request. He also told reporters that the freeze was part of a deal to get Ukraine to launch investigations that benefit Trump. Mulvaney later tried to walk that back. Emphasis on tried. He's been on the outs since then, but Trump is being advised to keep Mulvaney around, at least while the impeachment process is happening. Meanwhile, our good friend Lev Parnas claimed that he was talking about Ukraine with President Trump as early as April 2018. That would be months before he met Rudy Giuliani. Parnas earlier this year helped hook Giuliani up with prominent Ukrainians during the former mayor's hunt for political dirt that would favor Trump. Parnas has said through his lawyer that he's willing to speak with congressional investigators. If Parnas did lobby Trump last year, as the Washington Post reported, it would be another sign that the pressure campaign on Ukraine goes all the way up to the president. Republicans in Congress have been reportedly considering throwing Giuliani and Mulvaney under the bus. The argument would be that they were freelancing in Ukraine without Trump's approval, which does not seem to be the case. Finally, on Tuesday evening, Democrats announced a hearing schedule for next week that makes this one look like a walk in the park. There are going to be three days of hearings with eight current and former officials testifying live and on camera. Eight. We'll dive more into just who's on deck later, but it's set to be a wild-ass week. And now, for those of you who want cold, hard data in the form of numbers, we have today's reading from our Nixometer. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale, a zero is a normal day in a normal White House, and 10 is President Richard Nixon resigning and flying away in Marine One. And this morning, we are at a 7.1. Things could go wonky once hearings start. It's live. Expect the unexpected. But given what we already know from the testimony previously given, the pressure isn't set to die down. Okay, after the break, we talk to Miriam Elder about Bill Taylor. Stick around. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago.
1: We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything.
0: He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free. Until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with this.
1: I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon. He looked like what he was, a rat.
0: I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did, and he did it
1: anyway. The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat.
0: Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series,
1: New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast where we'll share behind the scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes, reveal the truth behind the legendary game True American, and discuss how the show got made with the writers, guest stars, and directors who made the show so special. Fans have been begging us to do a New Girl recap for years, and we finally made a podcast where we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, each week you'll hear hilarious stories like this. At the end when he says you got some Schmidt on your face, I feel like I pitched that joke. I believe that. I feel like I did. I'm not a thousand percent. I want to say that was I I, I tossed that one out.
0: Listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, time for this fucking guy. Today, it's Ambassador William Taylor. Bill has been running the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine since May and is on the Hill today as one of the first witnesses in Trump's impeachment hearings. Here to talk about Taylor and what he's going to tell Congress is BuzzFeed News politics reporter and Eastern Europe expert Miriam Elder. Thanks for coming back on. So happy to be here, Hayes. Okay, so let's jump into this really quickly. Whomst is this Taylor fellow? And how did he find himself running the embassy in May when he arrived in Ukraine?
1: So Bill Taylor is a lifelong diplomat. He's been serving the US government in some capacity since like 1985.
0: Wow. Okay. That's a long ass time. Yes, It is.
1: He has served in Eastern Europe. He served in Brussels. He served in Iraq. He served in Afghanistan. And crucially, he was ambassador to Ukraine from 2006 to 2009. Mm -hmm. So when the previous ambassador was recalled, by Trump and they had to figure out what to do, they turned to Bill Taylor and said, please, please help us.
0: And if I remember correctly, he was like, I don't think that's a great idea. I'm seeing a lot of reports about Rudy Giuliani just kind of running amok in Ukraine right now.
1: Well, he had seen the reports mainly of the abuse and the harassment of the former ambassador. Mm. So he says that he considered it very seriously. Talked to his wife, talked to some friends, and decided in the end that if called, he had to serve his country. But that if anything went wrong, he was out of there.
0: While all of this is happening, he is still in charge of the embassy there, but he's not the official ambassador to Ukraine.
1: Right for us diplomacy nerds, he's technically the chargé d'affaires because he (laughs) he wasn't you know officially nominated and going through the Senate confirmation process. So yeah, he came to D.C. a couple of weeks ago to testify. Now he's obviously back in front of the committee today. And in between, you just see photos all over Twitter of him out in eastern Ukraine where there's a war. He's kind of looking at the front lines and doing the business of diplomacy. Just doing his
0: job. Mm-hmm. So one of the first times we heard about Taylor at all, I feel like as we, the normal people, was when Congress released text messages between him, Volker, and Sondland. And in those text messages, he seemed to be the first person who we know their name, who was like, what is this quid pro quo shit in Ukraine? Do you think that he was actually effective in like pushing back on it based on what you've seen so far? Or was it more someone who saw the forces at work and was just trying to steer them as best he could?
1: So Taylor really comes across as like a career diplomat who is looking almost as an outsider on this thing that he calls an irregular channel Mm -hmm. of diplomacy, which was led by Giuliani and Sondland was involved and Kurt Volker was involved. And it's really amazing in these text messages. You have these guys kind of trying to coordinate saying, okay, we need a statement from the Ukrainian president so that he can have a White House visit and do this, that, and the other. And in the background, there's Taylor constantly saying, uh, guys, this." <laughs> the word he actually uses is crazy.
0: Right. Especially when we get to the point where it looks like military aid is being held up to get these political favors that Trump wants. He threatened to quit a few times because the actions of this Ukraine B team were benefiting Russia, basically. How about you? Would you have pieced out if you were in his place?
1: What comes out from the closed-door testimony that Taylor gave on just his history of service is this is a guy who was deeply devoted to the mission of U.S. diplomacy, but also really devoted to Ukraine. But after he left the ambassadorship, he was still doing this thing called Track 2 diplomacy, which Mm -hmm. is when, you know, you're either a part of an NGO or a think tank and you're, you know, you're you're still trying to, to kind of partake in the discussion of what like the U.S. foreign policy towards Ukraine should be. So what I see is a guy who's really committed but also it sounds like really aware that he doesn't necessarily have like the influence to change these guys. He's trying to warn them. And obviously now, as we will see today, he's playing a really important role in bringing this stuff to light to the American public.
0: Right. Like you said, he's testifying today. He's going to be alongside George Kent, who's a State Department official who was previously posted in Ukraine. His portfolio involves Ukraine. So you read through their testimonies when they were released. What's like the one thing you think that it'll be most important for people to hear during these public hearings?
1: There's going to be a lot of important things to hear, but I think what will probably come out based again on their closed-door testimony, if it's going to be similar is two guys, again, who were career diplomats, who kept meticulous notes, Mm -hmm. who lay out the facts, who lay out who spoke to whom and what did they say, and will present a picture to the American public of this alleged quid pro quo That Trump and his personal lawyer made through various channels to the Ukrainians. And the thing that struck me reading their testimonies was it's really different to when you hear, for example, from Gordon Sondland Mm -hmm. or when you hear from Volker, when, you know, they're asked questions. And Sondland in particular is like, "Um, I don't know, maybe I talked to this guy two or three times. No, I don't think I talked to that guy. Oh, I have no idea what went on. Like, Mm -hmm. these are the professional diplomats versus these guys who are just kind of freelancing it.
0: So— in those depositions, some of the minority members kind of just veered off into conspiracy territory, cuckoo cloudland, And, well, do you think they'll try to do the same thing when speaking with Taylor and Kent in front of these cameras? Or do you think they'll be a bit more hedgy about talking about the crowd strike theory, for example?
1: I mean, I think it's been really clear both from their questioning in the closed door testimony to the list of witnesses that they wanted to question, which was largely denied, to what you hear coming out of the president's mouth or fingers on Twitter. (laughs) The idea here is to delegitimize the inquiry full on. And then secondly, to kind of present a competing conspiracy theory. So they keep on referring to Ukrainian meddling in the U.S. election, which is completely debunked.
0: Not a thing that Uh, actually happened.
1: Absolutely not a thing. And so I think they're really trying to kind of, you know, say, hey, look over here, look over here. It'll be absolute conspiracy land. And I think it's going to be a a difficult thing for the country to go through.
0: Well, that's going to be great. So what do you think? Will, in the end, Taylor's testimony change anyone's mind, either on the committee or out there in the American public?
1: Well, I think this is just the start. They're probably going to call more witnesses, and I think you know these guys are going to really like. They'll set the tone for the testimony that we're going to hear over the next couple weeks or a few weeks or forever, or however long this is <laughs> until go we die. On. <laughs> Um, But I'm not sure. You know, they're obviously testifying in a super, super polarized environment. You have Trump and his supporters on one side buoyed by conspiracy theories. And then you have people who really think the president acted incredibly wrongly. So I I don't know if one or two testimonies are going to change people's minds, but it's a start.
0: It is just a start. So let's jump ahead in the future really quickly. We are a year into the future. It's 2020, just after the U.S. elections. What is Taylor up to, in your opinion?
1: I strongly believe that after November 2020, everybody will be just taking a nap for like
0: six months. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's actually pretty accurate. Lame duck session, more like nap time for everyone. (laughs) Okay, before we let you go, it's time for The Kicker. So, Miriam, what do you got for us?
1: All right, I've got a tweet from John Dickerson, who is a correspondent with 60 Minutes, and he wrote... Henry Kissinger once explained Watergate, quote, Some damn fool went into the Oval Office and did what Nixon told him to do. Wow, wait. So I think that as other testimonies come out that maybe it'll become more clear why I chose that one. But then because I'm a crazy person, I had to like fact check this tweet and actually Kissinger (laughs) never said it. Some guy said it to Kissinger. So basically it's also a warning to, you know.
0: Double check your sources. Exactly. Uh, Miriam, that was actually really great. My jaw dropped. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and lay out what people can expect as they tune into the hearings today. Thanks, Hayes. Okay, so all last week, we asked you to send us questions about impeachment. What confused you and left you wondering, quoi? And so many folks sent things in. Thank you. Before the hearing start today, we wanted to answer some questions that listener Maria sent us from where she listens in Ireland. She managed to cram three good questions into one email, so I'm going to try to answer them one by one. First up, she asked a two-parter. If these public hearings are just meant to be a show to change the public's mind on impeachment, are there going to be any new revelations? And how does that help move the process forward? So... All that remains to be seen, Maria. In terms of will there be any new revelations, well, we don't know yet. We have the testimonies that they gave behind closed doors, and the scripts will probably stick to that, but we could still learn something new during cross-examination. As far as how does this help move the process forward, a lot of people, unlike you humble listeners, have not really been tuned in to what is actually happening day to day. So this will be the first time a lot of people hear at all what was going on behind closed doors. Okay, next up, Maria wondered, How and when is Trump voted to be removed from office? Great question. If the House votes to impeach the president, which seems likely, the Senate will then hold a trial on the articles of impeachment, which are essentially the charges that the House votes in favor of. This Senate trial seems most likely to start in January at this point, and at the conclusion of that trial, the Senate, all 100 members, will vote on whether to remove Trump from office, which requires two-thirds of the Senate. Okay, so lastly, Maria wants to know, if Trump is charged but not removed, can he still be a candidate for 2020? The answer to that is a resounding yes, as far as we can tell if anyone out there knows otherwise, he can cite the legal precedent for it. Please email it to us at impeachment at BuzzFeed because we want to know, too. So thanks again to Maria for sending those great questions. For this week, we're asking you to tell us how you're taking in all the public hearings drama, watching on YouTube, following on Twitter, skipping the mess entirely. And besides how you experience it, which part of the proceedings are you most excited about? Let us know. Open up the Voice Memo app on your phone, record your message, and send it to us at impeachment at BuzzFeed.com, or just send me a direct message on Twitter. I'm at Hayes Brown, and my DMs are open. Okay, that's it for today. Time to go watch four to six hours of people talking while sitting at a desk. Truly, this is the next Game of Thrones. Be sure to subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or Apple Podcasts, and uh, maybe leave us a rating and a review. Also, tell your friends about the show as we all figure this out together.
1: The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities we just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's
0: time to gear up for the NFL postseason. Yes! Head over to NFLShop.com today for the largest assortment of officially licensed gear. I need it! NFL Shop is your destination for jerseys, t-shirts, headwear, and more. Oh, you're sweet with it! Come back after the game for the best selection of NFL gear anywhere. How you like that, baby? Rep your team pride with styles fit for the whole family. To shop now, go to NFLShop.com. You actually don't.